one of the things that I noticed that you off, I don't know if I, I haven't heard anyone from my personal perspective, because everybody's under the stress of trying to, you know, work within that electronic log, I just feel like there's a lot more rudeness at the truck stop, you know, and impatience. You know, I, you know, I'll, I'll sit there while someone's trying to back up, you know, giving them some space and people just come crowd you. They're, they're such impatient and they're just rude sometimes. I'm Todd Dills, and you're listening to the Overdrive Radio Podcast. This edition picking up in part from where we left off in the intro last week with a note from Carolyn Carroll and the utility she finds in paid parking reservations. Something of a counterpoint to the point of view out there on, on the reservation systems. You can find our report, quote, ELDs up the ante on parking on the growth in those, reviled by many but appreciated by many as well at overdriveonline.com. Search, quote, parking. And much more besides. It's Carolyn Carroll, you heard at the top here too, talking about what others have brought up as well in prior reporting. The time pressure tension with the countdown of the duty clock on e-logs. Carroll didn't deal with any resulting less than genial interaction herself this week as she was off the road dealing with another big issue and caring for her husband at their Clear Lake, California home. He recently underwent an operation, and in our talk, she laid out her now seven-year tour in trucking, both in team and solo operations. As a company driver for a time, and now leased, she's recently refinanced a lease-ending balloon payment on her Freightliner Cascadia. She'll be entirely finished paying off over the next couple of years. The five-foot-four owner-op cuts a unique figure among most highway haulers, and she addresses the dynamics of being a woman among a largely male-dominated profession, hauling. As well, the one among a clearly growing cohort out there, no doubt. At the beginning of the conversation, I asked the owner operator if her husband had ever been on the road with her. No, no, he's 11 years older, so he's already retired when I started um, driving trucks. Yeah, he had retired, so it was, you know, basically I couldn't find a job where I lived anymore. Lost a couple jobs from companies being bought out and laying us off, mm. so. You know, I had to do something. <laughs> so, you know, my grandfather drove, my father drove, my brother drove. So I figured I'd give it a shot, and it turns out I love it. How did you, uh, this was about seven years ago, you said, when you started? Yeah. Yeah, I went I went to um, a trucking school in the Sacramento area. And then, you know, of course, I was new, so I applied to all the companies that train, and I went with Swift. But you've you've been with uh, Swift for the entire seven years here. Yes, I have. I just you know there's been times when I've gotten mad at them and I looked at other companies and I just always stayed. It was like the other companies were just you know I I talked to other drivers who've been with other companies and my brother too you know and mm-hmm. every company they all have their same stuff you know I just got to find that one company that fits and I guess I found this right off the bat so. Um, you started. I think you told me you started out as a as a company driver, but you've uh, moved into uh, your own truck at this point. Actually, I went out with my mentor, and then I started. I met up with my friend John, and we teamed for a while. And then we went our separate ways. And I became a company driver for a little bit, and then when John wanted got his own truck, he wanted to go back to teaming with me. So we teamed for like a year and a half, and then 
you know, eventually it got to a point where it was like he kept encouraging me to become an owner op, and I went ahead and did it, and been that way since. So, uh, be about three and a half years I've had the truck. Have you uh, have you, you know, taken full ownership of the of the truck at this point? Um, um, or I think maybe you mentioned that you've gone through the lease purchase type of program, or or, or did you go just straight out and go purchase the truck? Well, I, I, I leased the truck, and my lease was actually up at the end of this March. And okay. what happened is, when we found out his diagnosis... Carol's talking here about her husband's diagnosis, the reason for the recent operation. We had one big change going on in our lives, and it was like I could go ahead and lease a newer truck. It was... the timing was wrong, so I just decided to stay in this truck, and just I'm in the process of buying it out. So it, it just, right. the timing with his diagnosis just sort of changed the dynamics of what I, my plans were originally. Probably it end up being a good thing for you um, once you get the, uh, you know, get the buyout payments done. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it was what everybody else deals with, things breaking and having to fix them. And, you know, I just keep yeah. going along and plus, Plus, I'm sorry, I'm just really old school, you know, I'm, you know, 57, and I learned on a stick, and it's all automatics now, and I still have my stick, and I just, I know everybody loves, thinks the automatics are great, my dad does, he loves his automatic, but I just, I, I feel like I have more control of the truck, and, you know, and I, I feel with the students, too, I feel like they're more engaged, they're, they're having to pay attention more. Because I get my right. regular pickup truck, which is an automatic, and I, I feel like I'm getting, I'm lazier. I'm not paying as much attention. But when you're having to watch your RPMs and everything, watch on the road, you, I feel like your, your mind is, is more active. I don't know. That's just me. The more engaged uh, you're having to be with the equipment, uh, you know, so the more alert you probably are to, um, to everything else yeah. on the road as well. You, you mentioned your, your students. How, how, um, how much. Uh, uh, team training do you end up doing? Taking taking, well, uh, taking students out. I like students. I mean, everyone's saying, why don't you hire someone go teaming? But I, I do like the students, but after a month and a half, I, I do like a couple weeks by myself, get a, get a break in there, you know? Just like everything, I've, I've had really good students where I've just, we've just had a good time and they learned a lot. And then I've had those bad students I've had to kick off the truck. It was, you know, and, and that's the problem yeah. with a big company like Swift. They, they do, as soon as somebody's available, they just throw the student in without thinking about personalities to clash. And and I'll be honest, some of the students that were scared of me and stuff, they went on to be okay. We just personality-wise, you put us in that small little confined spot, and sometimes it just, you know, doesn't work out. A lot of possibilities for uh, for for personalities to clash. So you get to know somebody pretty well. Um, yeah. Uh, being on a truck with them, no doubt. You'd written in about um, utilization of uh, you know, parking reservations out there, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of owner operators that end up talking to uh, feel feel similarly about it. Uh, you know, just kind of the utility of it, and it, uh, get you know. The, the ability to reserve a spot, you know, sort of takes that sort of guesswork out of, uh, out of parking, uh, which can be pretty hairy in, in a lot of areas. It, it, the stress is off. 
when I'm dry, when I know I in order to get the load and I've got to drive till eight or nine o'clock at night, it, it's just so stress relieving to know when I get there I know I've got a spot instead of that. I remember before then the stress of oh my god where am I going to park was just weighing on my mind as I'm driving down the road and now it's just I can you know relax I don't have that extra stress on me and I find mm-hmm. that's the best thing about it. Do you is this something you utilize? Um... On a daily basis, or is it um, just uh, you only utilize it in certain areas, or how do you how do you put it to use? Well, there are certain truck stops. Um, for instance, those Ontario, California truck stops down there, that Petron TA, they are huge. And uh, I I have heard a horrible story about one swift female driver parked in the back and got attacked and raped. So. I, I don't care what time of the day I get there and how much parking it is. I always get reserved right up front where I'm really close to constant people in and out, so I feel a lot safer. You know, so so some there are other places, you know, other cities like that where it's like, oh no, I'm getting reserved parking. I want to be up front. You know, it's just it's the, the truck stop itself is in, in a what I as a female driver alone consider safe. So I use, utilize it for that, and then if I'm driving it late at night, and I, I know I'm going to have to drive late at night, I'll utilize that. But, you know, if I know I'm going to get there at 2 in the afternoon to shut down, you know, a lot of times there's plenty of parking. So. Right, not a big deal it, it in that case. Right. I guess uh, seven years, oh. and when you started, too, it would have been, it would have been just before um, some of the truck stops started introducing these um, paid reservation systems for parking. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So what did you do then? Um, just basically what everybody else did, I guess, and try to plan it as uh, best you can? Well, one of the things that do like that is they have a lot of terminals. So you could yeah. always go into the terminal anytime and, you know, and park. So I did a lot of uh, terminal hopping, you know, trying to reach okay. and, or, or I would just shut down early. I'd just say, I've got to shut down now because I'll never find a parking spot if I don't shut down right now. And then, two, two I was teaming for a year and a half with my friend John, and when you're teaming, the truck hardly ever stops anyway. You know, it's constantly sure, right, moving. Right. So right. it wasn't such a big deal. Counting your expenses and such, um, you know, in terms of the expense of... Uh, of parking, you ever take the time to weigh the the cost of the reservation against uh, what what you might expect to uh, to expend in time and energy and and fuel uh, if you didn't use the uh, paid reservations? It's not a numbers issue because I yeah. just again it's the job's hard enough. We got all you know sometimes have to deal with backup traffic. It's stressful. People are driving like morons and. If I can just relieve one part of the stress of the job, you know, I feel better about it. You know, I, I just there, there's some days when you're you're pushing your clock, and I, I just don't need that stress of you know, you know, where am I going to park? I mean, I I know one student called and he was so frustrated. He'd gone to several truck stops trying to find a parking spot, and you know, it, it's worth the money to me to me. And it's costing about twelve to. I think uh, what we reported when we recently did this uh, story on feature on uh, paid parking reservations. Uh, I, I think it's costing most places about twelve, uh, twelve dollars or twelve to eighteen or so, depending on the spot. 
yeah. It all depends on where it is. Like if it's a, if it's near a major city, it's going to be higher. There are some that you got to have your reservation in by noon. You know, mm-hmm. I know that Denver and those Ontario, California truck stops, uh, the Dallas one, there's a TA there. Uh, if you don't get your reservation in by noon, you're not going to find a parking spot. Have you seen, uh, I mean, I know we, we reported sort of anecdotally on it, and I know that the truck stops will readily admit it to one degree or another, but uh, I, I've heard a lot about um, expansions of that uh, number of spaces available for reservations. Have you uh, have you seen that? Is it, and is it making it easier, or is it, or or is it actually getting more difficult to to reserve a spot, um, just given the, the dynamics that everybody's under with the ELTs now? I have noticed recently there are a lot more reserved spots. There used to be maybe five or ten. Now it's like almost half parking lot in certain truck stops. Right. Are they made them reserved? So I have noticed that. Even with that, though, it's, um, it's, it, it seems to me that you were saying earlier that it's kind of getting a little more difficult to reserve a spot. Yeah, just in certain areas, you know, that's basically the major, major cities, near the major cities. Yeah. Owner-operator Carol transitioned to electronic logs in 2012 after learning to truck with paper logs from the get-go. With the occasional student she has on the truck today, she noted, they run paper logs themselves in order to learn what is the backstop for a malfunctioning ELD, which she herself has experienced, as you'll see. Started on paper, and then I think it was about 2012, we started utilizing the e-log, so went over to that. And to be honest, um, when I get the students on there, Swift has them do paper logs every day, along with the e-logs, to make sure that they, in case the e-logs break down, you know, they know how to do it. And I'll tell you, when I see them doing it, and I'm, I'm just having to press the button to change, I, I like the e-logs. That's interesting. So uh, they, they actually, uh, the students do train on the paper log. It's a, it's yeah. training purposes only, just to make sure I got to, you know, I'll review it to make sure they know how to do them correctly. So that, and I have had my Qualcomm break, and I've actually had to go to paper. And then once the Qualcomm right. got fixed, you know, then the, the log department updates it. So it does happen. Right. So the students sure. really need to to do that. and. And I, another thing, too, I also started with, there was no a GPS. We had to use maps or call the customer right. and get directions, you know. We yeah. actually had to follow oh, yeah. signs. And um, I find that the older students are okay with it, like just following the signs and stuff. But these younger people are just so reliant on that GPS. And I, I get afraid that they're, you know, that they're going to get themselves caught in a position where they took the wrong turn or, you know, they're they're using a, a non-trucking GPS and Google sending them through non-trucking routes. You know, I, I just get nervous and I, you know, there have been times I've turned the GPS off on them and made them actually follow the signs, you know. Sure. You know, because I am just so afraid. They're, they're so reliant on it. It makes me nervous. I do my best to... <laughs> make sure they can think outside the box when they're off the truck. Carol sees a lot happening as a new generation comes on board in trucking and learns to do things in ways that run counter to what she says is her own more old-school mentality in many things. In addition to the combative attitudes she seems to be seeing more of in her interactions with drivers who seem more and more pressed for time, she noted another particular aspect of the ELD spec that seems to be having ripple effects of its own in life on the road. When they first came out with the e-log, you could actually just slowly creep your truck for about a mile and a half 
before it actually kicked into the driveline, right? right. Now they right. changed it because what the guys were doing in those backups, like there was an accident, they would go off duty and crawl along, get their half hour in. So then they changed it to when the tires start moving. What owner-operator Carroll is referring to here is the new ELD spec, which standardized the speed at which an e-log will automatically switch to the driveline at 5 miles per hour. Prior to wide ELD use, fleets and e-log providers were free to customize how any automatic switch, if there was one, worked. Some chose speeds fairly higher than 5 miles per, miles per hour. Some carriers, too, may have adopted in their still-in-use previous generation systems a lower threshold. So before you crawl out, so we were seeing, even my brother made the point of how slow, he was wondering how slight everybody driving so slow and just stop. And then he went to e-logs and then he realized why they were doing it. Now that they changed it, now it seems like people are flying out of the truck stop because they figure, well, drive is kicking in, I'm going. So yeah. that was another funny little thing that even my brother and me sort of noticed at the truck stop. And now it's kind of like um, there's that sort of everybody's pushing, kind of rushing through the day in, in a certain yeah. respect. Um, yeah, I've heard that as as well. And, I've, you know, I've heard people remark uh, to that effect, too, that have, have recently switched um, to e-logs. Like, uh, it, it's just like the, the ticking clock is kind of always in the back of your mind. Did you have that uh, that same kind of? feeling when you uh, when you first changed over from paper logs or was it not that big of a deal since it was so early it wasn't that big of a deal for me i i i had to i got i quickly caught up on the e-logs and again you know i always was like within my paper logs anyway so so how how far are you away from um you know taking uh, finishing out the um the ending payment on on the truck. Two years. About two years ago. I, I had to re yeah I had to refinance it. Obviously, you know situation here at home. We got to hold our funds out and kind of a lot of medical bills. So. Are you are you being helped out by insurance? Health insurance. Yeah, yeah he, he's got Medicare and supplemental, so. But, but you know, it doesn't cover everything. What is the truck? Oh, it's a, a Freightliner Cascadia. The year is, uh, what's the year, 2014, 2015? 2015. 2015. And uh, I, I just, I've always liked that. I just, I fit better in it. I'm only like five foot four. I'm, you know, short okay. lifting. And um, I, when I was out with my friend Johnny at uh, ProStar, and I had to drive with a pillow behind me because I couldn't quite reach the pedal. <laughs> yeah, and then I... Did drive a 680 recently when my truck was in the shop for a while. I was like, you can rent a truck. And me and the student right. found it is not a girl friendly truck for us. Really? Because we, we kept finding ourselves reaching over to get like the lights and the air thing because our arms were so short. And we just, we just figured out we just don't fit in that truck. And the Cascadia, I just happened to fix them so short. So, real nice truck for me. Owner-operator Carol's five-foot-four stature can drive operational choices too. She notes. You know, I, I will refuse loads if I look at the area and I feel like um, that's not a place that I want to be alone in the truck. You know, and, and uh, I'm, I'm careful. I, you know, there's just certain places I just won't go. You know, and and then there are other places where I'm like, well, it's in the middle of the day. I'll get in and out. I'll be okay. You know, but yeah, I I don't want to 
put myself in a position where, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and I've run out of hours and I'm sitting in the middle of, I don't know, some downtown warehouse place alone, you know. So I, I, right. I do have to be careful about that kind of stuff. Other than that, you know, like I said, you know, I just have to watch, watch where I'm going, watch where I'm parking. The Swiss right. basically usually saves me for the girls because there's not many female trainers as there okay. are guys. So, but you know, when uh, and then too, a lot of times the guys, their wives say, "No, you're not going out in the truck with the girls," you know. So, but I did have one student. Uh, he was such a sweetheart. He specifically asked for a girl because he didn't want to be stuck on a trainer's truck that never took showers, and he figured the girls would smell better. <laughs> I thought that was funny that he that was his reasoning why he wanted a female trainer. So. Cleanliness is next to godliness, after all, or isn't that how Methodist Church founder John Wesley put it during a sermon way back in the effervescent 1700s? Till next time.